resurrection morning to you. You guys look good. My goodness, y'all dress up good. So thank you for being here. Delighted to have you. Um, There's a big question that I kind of want to start with that I think is the overarching question for all of us. Many of us, self-included, spend our entire lives sometimes trying to answer one simple question, and that is, who am I? Who am I? We look at accolades and strengths and weaknesses and high schools that we attend and colleges that we get a degree from, fashions that we wear, vehicles that we drive, clubs that we are a part of, teams that we uh, play with, circumstances in which we find ourselves, people that we surround ourselves with, where we live, and what we live in to answer that question. The problem is that's not going to do it. We look everywhere but to the one who actually knows the true answer to that question. I want you to listen to God's word, Isaiah 43, 1. God says to you and me, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Mm. I want you to listen to that again. That, that's just, that's an Easter verse. You need to just, you need to take that with you and walk all day. Fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name. You are mine. Psalm 139 tells us this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. We need a renewing of our identity. We need to look at God's word and choose to believe that we truly are who he says we are entirely. We don't need to look at anything else to answer that question in our lives. If we do, we're never going to have it answered. Or the answer is going to consistently change Because the answer is not solid. Listen to this statement. We need to let our creator define the identity of his creation. You need to hear that. You need to let our creator, our personalizing and say, I need to let my creator define his creation that my friend listen to me look at the world they're chasing this question they're they're chasing it like the cat chases his tail and if he caught his tail he wouldn't even know what in the world to do with it you seriously ever thought about that that cat ain't gonna have any idea what to do with that tail usually just let go of it and start chasing it again because it didn't do anything for him it's just like the stuff that we chase The Father will tell you who you are. Regardless of anything you have done, done well or poorly, regardless of your successes or your failures, 
You are first and you are foremost the redeemed child of the Most High God. It is time to anchor your identity in the unshakable, unchangeable truth of Scripture. My friend, if there's ever a time we, as the little church, need to understand who we are, because if we can understand who we are as the little church and our identity is in him, then the big church will not have an identity problem. And in this country, my friend, the big church is having an identity problem. It is not our job to look like, smell like, or taste like the world. We have to be set apart and different. And for such a time as this, we are called for that. And you too, and me too. In John 3, Jesus comes in contact with a sharp cat. He's not called cat. His name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a very, very, very well-respected, intelligent man. Jesus simply comes up to Nicodemus after a multitude of questions, and he tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, let me help you with something. You need to be born again. You need to be born again. Basically, he said to Nicodemus, you've been born of water, physical, but you need to be born of the Spirit. And unless you're born of the Spirit, you will not have eternal life. So I ask you, what had to die that, what had died that needed to be resurrected? If Nicodemus needed to be born again, what if Nicodemus was dead? I'll help you with that. Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27 reminds us that all of us are made in God's image. And there are three parts in that creation story. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All present. It said, let us, there can't be us unless there's more than one. Amen. What three parts are we made of? Good question. We're made of body. We're made of soul. And we're made of spirit. Genesis 2, 7, tell us that. God told Adam and Eve in the garden not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or they would die. Did they die? Hmm. They didn't die physically, did they? But their spirits did. Consequently, every single person is born with a dead spirit, Ephesians 2, 3. We're dead. We're dead in our spirit. Our spirit is not alive. That is why Jesus told Nicodemus and Jesus told each of us, you must be born again. You must be born again. A person who is not born again will be led by feelings and thoughts. Can you help me with that? That's dangerous. Amen. That's dangerous. Your body feels, step on your toe or step on the person next to you. They'll feel that, okay? Your body feels. Your soul feels and thinks. If you're not born of the Spirit, you're led and controlled by what? Feelings and thoughts. Dangerous. Dangerous. If you're born again, you're born of the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, okay? The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truths. That means before Christ, you a uh, dummy, and after Christ, you are smart. Sorry. 
That's probably not, that's in there somewhere. But I'm just telling you, you don't, you're led by stuff that's just not going to, it's just, it's helpless. You, you just, in all love, you're just a dummy. You are. You're the mannequin at Dillard's. Okay? You look cute. Good style. Nice fashion. But lifeless. You're dumb. All right? But when you're born of the Spirit, my friends, then you have the eyes of Christ. Because through his spirit you can see. You have the ears of Christ because through the Holy Spirit he opens them and you can hear him. And my friends, he will guide you and bring you fresh revelation so that he will guide you in all truths. The truth will know and the truth will set you free. Listen to me. Until you're born again, you are dead. And Jesus said, you need two birthdays, my friend, on this side of heaven. You need a physical birthday when your mama gave birth to you. And you need a spiritual birthday when Jesus gave birth to you. And that, my friend, when you understand the tomb, the tomb gives you life. He raised Jesus from the dead when he was dead. And he raises us from the dead when we're alive. You're dead in your sins until Jesus raises you again. So let me ask you. First, let me give you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. We know it know it well. Therefore, and I've taught you every time you say a therefore in scripture, you always want to ask, what is that therefore, therefore? It's a good question, all right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she, is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The new has come. Why? Because something they did, something they drive, something they wear, where they went to college, because they do more good things than bad things, because they help a little lady carry their groceries. No, because you are in Christ. In Christ. You couldn't do it. If you could do it, no need for the cross. Don't need a tomb if you don't have a cross. Nobody needs to rise again if they never did die. So keep your tomb and let the tree live. Don't need a cross. Jesus said, you can't get there. But I'm going to go for you. So that you won't have to die. And then, I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to conquer sin. And I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father. And when the Father turns to me and says, let's go get the kids. I'm going to come back. Like they ain't never seen me come back. I mean, they may have seen a grenade make an explosion. They may look like an explosion, but when I part that east sky and I come back to get my kids, you ain't never in your life seen anything like that. And, dude, I'm going to tell you right now, if you are one day away, you're in trouble. Trouble. Because when that day happens, it's a little bit late for next time. It's just a little bit late. Question on the table. When were you resurrected? I mean, that's an appropriate question at Easter, amen? When were you resurrected? 1975, a little big boy. Not little bitty, but I wasn't very big. I was in Athens, Texas. 
It's a sweet tune, by the way. Micah Marshall and Heather Boyette made that. I said, I need a little cardboard box tune, a little, little lid to open up. Lord, hell, they give me a Taj Mahal over here. That's a little more than what I had in mind, but amen, it'll preach. 1975, I'm 10 years old. I'm sitting at First Baptist Church in Athens, Texas. I've heard the gospel many times in Sunday school, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, that particular morning. There was pounding going on in my heart like I had never had in my life. Jesus had done past knocking, like he says in Revelation. Dude, he was kicking, beating, hammering. I don't know what he was using. I thought he was going to come through, right? I mean, I learned them ram bars coming. I'm like, okay, okay, just won't get to the invitation. If he'll, be, if he'll quit preaching, I'm going to go get saved, all right? And as soon as he hit that note, boom, I'm out of here. I'm over there, all right, down this aisle right here, boom. I grabbed that preacher. He said, uh, Jeff, can I help you? Mm-hmm. I want to get saved. I need Jesus, just like that. Now, the pastor at the time, Curtis Mathis, not the TV maker, just telling you, that's his name. Am I kidding? I got one for you better than that. Curtis Mathis left. We get a new preacher. Guess his name? James Bond. <laughs> that's a true story. First Sunday, got a bunch of well-dressed deacons in the front down here. Want to take the offering later? He takes his, opens his gun, and shoots him with a water gun. That's pretty cool, man. I remember that like it happened yesterday. James Bond carried a gun in his Bible. That's pretty cool. So you listen if you pastor James Bond. I'm just going to tell you right now. He had a little bit of advantage that everybody else didn't have. So I came down and got saved at 10 years old. I was born again, man. I was resurrected. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I was. I was. I was born again. I was. So 11 years go by. I do junior high, plus Jesus. I do high school, and I got some crazy school in Marshall, Texas, gives me a scholarship to go play baseball. So I go and go. What you going to do in college, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to play baseball. No, what, I mean, what kind of degree are you getting? I don't know. My, my mom's a real estate broker, and my dad's a commercial sign painter. How about business? Well, that'll work. I mean, that's it. Anybody else pick a degree like that? That's how I pick my degree. And so I just go to class, start doing business, all right? Freshman year go by, sophomore year comes by. All of a sudden, man, mm, I start feeling this tug on my heart about ministry. I'm like, what? I don't have a grandfather that's a preacher. My dad's sure not a preacher. <laughs> and my mama, mm, she ain't allowed to preach. So I... What's going on in my life? And I didn't know what was going on with that. So here's what happened. Some of you know, I did second grade twice. Not because I wanted to. Not because I begged my parents. Can I do that twice? They thought it was in my best interest to do that twice. All right? So I go to the second grade twice, and I sit with this little old lady that helps me, and these little balls bounce and hit these words. And every time they hit a word, I'm supposed to say it. Well, trust me, I didn't say I'm all right, and she told me every time I said one wrong, I said it wrong, all right? But that was me, second grade. That in speech lab, trying to correct my stuttering, and I had dyslexia, like, off the chart, but they didn't know what that meant, and they didn't even diagnose that. I just pretty much thought I was stupid. That's just the truth, because that's what people called me. 
when I read, they laughed. And so I didn't know how to deal with that. So I just hit them. That's not good because then you go to the principal's office and you get your bottom tore up. They still did that back then. All right? And that's still a good thing. So, sorry, that's a whole other thing. So, so, so that was second grade. Third grade, I didn't do it three times, thank the Lord. I mean, three times, I, I just did it once. But, but, but it's the same struggle. Fourth grade, same struggle. Fifth grade, same struggle. Sixth grade, still, still struggling. Bless Jesus for sports. It kept me in school, I'm just telling you. And so that's what I told God. God, you can't call me the ministry because you got to speak in front of people. And I faked stomach viruses those mornings. Remember that? My mom called my bluff and made me go to school anyway. All right? I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. I'd mess it up. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Listen to me. I'm a saved kid. I'm saved. I've been resurrected. But I got second grade issues stuffed in my tomb. I got words from my past. You a dummy. You can't speak. You can't talk. You stutter when you talk. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And I told them where? I told them to God. See, I had this in front of my tomb. And there's a little bit of Jeff in there. Jesus said, oh, Jesus said, I don't, I don't need some of you in the tomb. I want all of you out of the tomb. So that was my, I was 21 years old, college. Everybody around me saying, I think God's got you, going to get you in ministry. Whatever. I, I'd kill the kingdom if I went to ministry. I can't speak, can't do nothing. I use those words, man, those words, those words. You see, here's, a, here's, here, here's, here's what I figured out. And you may have figured it out. I was saved at 10 out of sin. But at 21, I still had stuff in there. I want to ask you a question this morning. You were resurrected at salvation. I get that. I was too. But when were you really resurrected? When was all of you out of your tomb? He said, well, at, at salvation. Mm. Let, me, let, me, let me say to you some of the words that I heard and maybe you heard as well. See, there's a part of me and a piece of me that needs to be resurrected. I believe there's a part of you and a piece of you that needs to be resurrected. You say, well, Jeff, I'm already saved. I'm not doubting your salvation. What I am telling you is this. I was saved at 10 years old, but there was stuff in my past that I suppressed into the tomb, and it controlled me, and it held me, and I was playing 500 ball. 500 ball is not bad. Winning 20, losing 20 ain't bad, but it won't get you on TV, and it won't get you recognized. Jesus said, I didn't come for you to play 500 ball. I came for you to play 100 ball. Past failures, past mistakes, bad choices, limitations I put on myself, images from my past, never being good enough, childhood hurts, never being accepted, broken promises to myself, childhood lies, 
unforgiveness in my heart, not letting go, jealousy, thoughts about yourself, words you say about yourself, your past identity, hurts from jobs, disappointments in your career, hurts from churches, bad churches, and religious people. All of that can suppress a little bit of us in those tombs. You say, doesn't me, doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. Because see, I know you're just like me. There's stuff in your past, there's stuff you've heard, there's stuff you say about yourself that keeps you in that tomb that doesn't let all of you come out. It doesn't. I had three things. I told you number one. That was when I was in second grade. Words I spoke over myself. At 21, I was speaking to him in college, telling God I was still that second grade kid. Second was this. I had major unforgiveness towards my father. Major. Major, big time. I had suppressed it because we push it, push it, push it. And as long as we look right and speak right and do right, people never know it's in there. But it held me back. Because I told God I couldn't do ministry because I couldn't speak. And then one day I'm laying on my bed and I open my Bible up just randomly to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 says this. Do not tell me you're only a child. And do not tell me you can't speak. I will put my words in your mouth. And I will put anointing on your tongue. And you will speak to everybody I put in front of you. And I was like, I am in trouble. Because we're held responsible for that which we didn't see. (laughs) And I saw that. He spoke right where I was speaking. I had unforgiveness towards my father. Because I could never do it right. Never. Anger, temper, all that stuff, man. And I, and I suppressed it, and I suppressed it. I remember one day, state playoff game, struck out 17, 21 ounce, struck out 17 of them, walked two people. He spent the rest of the evening talking about the two I walked, not the 17 I struck out. I'm like, I'll never satisfy him, which means I probably never satisfy my heavenly father. And I spoke that and spoke that and spoke that for years. It was suppressed in my tomb, and I wouldn't let it come out. It needed to be resurrected, but it didn't. Last thing's this. I had three. Second grade, unforgiveness. Okay? Last one was this. I was 21 years old, sophomore at East Texas Baptist University. They had a Bible study called Time Out on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock. I'd fall asleep before that now, but at the end I could go. So I went to this Bible study. My roommate did the worship. I walked in. Remember, I grew up, every time doors open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night for chicken, fried steak, green beans, mashed potatoes, and a salad and a sweet tea at First Baptist Church. Remember when that same thing every, Wednesday night meal, same thing. Everybody, who, who did that one? I, I've eaten so much chicken, fried steak at church, I don't even order at restaurants anymore. All right? So the, I, I was there all the time, man. My dad had us dressed up real sharp. He'd comb my hair. Man, I wouldn't have a, comb, a hair out of place. He'd give me a pink envelope with two quarters. And I remember writing color in the two quarters with a pencil that was in the pew rack in front of me. I, I was a little, good, Baptist, straight, sit-up, tall church boy. And I did that for all my life until I went off to college. And I walked into this worship room, and they were leading worship. And there was probably three or 400 college kids in there worshiping. I'd never really been in something like that. I mean, they were worshiping. I look over, and there's a girl standing over there on the side. And, man, she was worshiping 
tears rolling down her face. And I was watching her. And I was like, you should be raising your hand. You're guilty. I know who you are. And I know you date or have been with some of those baseball boys, and I know all about what you do. And I started judging her with a religious spirit because I was a very religious person. I, didn't, I never would have introduced myself as, hi, I'm Jeff, I'm a very religious person. Right? Never would have introduced myself that way. But I was, and I was judging her with evil thoughts. And I remember saying these words, you're such a hypocrite. And then I heard God say this, so are you. And I was like, I don't know who he's talking to. <laughs> and I left the building. And I started to go back to my dorm room, and I sat down on a bench. And God said, Jeff, you're judging that girl with religious spirit. It's wrong. You don't know her. You don't know nothing about her. Listen to me. At least, at least... She knows who she is and who I am. And she comes in unapologetically, open for worship. And I'm doing a work in her life. She's not there yet, and neither are you. But you put up walls, and you tell me where I can and cannot work in your life. You don't let the Holy Spirit out of your little Holy Spirit box. And I want to do more in you than you could ever think or imagine. But you're so religious, you keep me all boxed in because you're scared. And you need to let your guard down and let the Holy Spirit that saved you at 10 years old resurrect you and do something in your life that will blow your mind. You need to quit doubting me and trust me. You say you're a man of the book, then be the man of the book and quit being half the book. Because most of what I do in this book, I do by the Holy Spirit of God. And I don't tell you what's going to happen first, I just do it. And you tell me to always script out everything in your life. You control me like I'm a joystick. I am God, the sovereign God. And I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it by my Holy Spirit. And you need to go back in there and worship. I'm like, I ain't going back in there. I'm not going back in there. He says, I'm just telling you right now, little dude, you little 21-year-old punk, you're, you're going back in there. And I went right back in there. I did. You should do what God tells you to do, all right? I went back in there. I was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. But all of a sudden, man, I promise you, promise you, they're worshiping. And all of a sudden, I just felt this yoke of heaviness fall off me. And I felt love like I've never felt it. And all that second grade stuff that I struggled with, he resurrected. And all that stuff for my dad, he resurrected it. And all that religious spirit that I carried with me thought I was somebody. He stripped me. And all of a sudden, man, for the first time in my whole entire life, I promise you to this day, first time in my whole life, I worshiped. I said, you said, well, I thought you were in church all your life. I was. I sang a lot of songs. I sang a bunch of songs. I sang more songs than you could even imagine. But I promise you this, I never worshipped. I never did. And I went in there and I started worshipping. And here's what happened that night. That girl and me looked exactly the same in worship. <laughs> I promise you, my hands were up and my face was flooding with tears. 
And her hands were up and her face was flooding in tears. What God was doing in her might have been different than what he was doing in me. And I promise you it was. But I'm going to tell you, in that place of worship, there was safety. In that place of worship, there was freedom. In that place of worship, he set me free, man. He set me free. And I've never to this day been the same guy. Never. Never. Because three things that night got resurrected. The second grade boy got resurrected. The unforgiveness towards my father got resurrected. And that old religious spirit that I had about me that judged people with with just vicious thoughts got resurrected. I'm going to tell you right now, I know there's some of you just like me. A beautiful word, Easter. The Bible tells us this. They went to the tomb. They looked in, and they said these words. Oh, he's not, he's not there. He's risen. He's, he's not there. Sorry, he's risen. I'm sorry. Y'all need to refund that ticket because ain't nobody in there. He's, he's gone. Then beamed him up. He's gone. Hey, so what about you this morning? When they walk up to your tomb and they look in, is some of you still in there? I was. 11 years after salvation, there's still some of Jeff in there. It held me, man. It held me. It held me. But now I do this. I walk up. I look in. I go, Jeff, he's he not in there. He is risen. All his past, all his junk, all that words, all the stuff spoken over him that he did and other people did, all that junk, all that forgiveness, all that heaviness, all that religious junk that, that just kept him bound, all of that's been stripped off of him. And he's been freed. He's set free. He's risen. It doesn't hold me back anymore. I promise you, there's some of you that speak words over yourself. Can I give you a real good piece of advice here? Do not say anything about yourself that the Father wouldn't say about you. Y'all need to hear that. Do not say anything about yourself that the Father wouldn't say about you. Some of you say stuff about yourself that the Father ain't no way he'd say that about you. That's a lie. You don't say that. He makes all things new, friends. All things. Not some things. All things. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes. The thief does not just come, but he comes to steal. He comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. For 11 years, man, I was a saved cat living in that tomb. I was still in there, held, held captive by stuff in my past. I wasn't living abundantly. I wasn't having victories. Why? Because you can't have victories when there's half of you. And Jesus said, all of him comes out. Because the enemy for 11 years said, I'm going to steal his life. I'm going to kill his life. And I'm going to destroy him. And Jesus said, no, you're not. Because I redeemed him in 1975. And he's a born-again child of the king. And I'm about to resurrect every bit of him. All that stuff that he hides that says in him, I'm going to resurrect every bit of that. And he took all of that and made me a home day. You can't hide from who, what you did. I, I, your past is your past. Embrace it, hug it, and let it be you. Don't hide it. 
Don't hide it. Declare it. Don't hide it. Testify it. He saved you out of it. He redeemed you from it. He broke those chains. Then tell people. He said, if I tell my kids, I'll repeat it. If you don't tell it, they're going to repeat it. Be who you are. Get out of that tomb. All that junk. Here's what Easter is. Easter's really happy new you. It is. Happy new year is football and food. Easter is happy new you. Happy new you, baby. Because when he resurrected all of you out of that tomb, baby, he said, that's new. I do all things new. He's new. I'm going to close with the scripture we started with. You need to hear it. Fear not. Oh, I was scared to death. 11 years, I've pushed it in there. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have resurrected you. I have called you by your name. And you are mine. He walked over to my tomb and said, Jeff Ponder, get out of there. Second grade boy, get out. Unforgiveness suppressed in your heart, get over it. Lay it down. Set him free. And all that religious yoke and spirit you got about you, drop it and go. Listen to me. He loves you. Fear not. For he has redeemed you, he's resurrected you, and he's called you by name. You're his. You are. This Easter, come out, all out. I know you've been out because of salvation, but I mean all out. If you're sitting here today, and you say, preacher, I'm Nicodemus. I've never been born again. Today, When we start invitation, you get right here like I did when I was 10 years old. And you get saved. If you're born again, child of the king in this room today, and there's stuff in your past that you just suppress in your tomb, it's part of you, but you won't let it out, but it holds you back from being all that God wants you to do and be in your life. Today, do not walk out of here with stuff in your tomb. You better have an Easter of resurrection. It's either resurrection morning or it's not. Amen. Resurrection means up and out. That means you got to get it up and out. All right? Let it go. If you need to forgive, set them free. They're winning and you don't know it. Set them free. Let me pray over us. Father, we love you. And we thank you. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for an empty tomb. Resurrection morning, Father. I pray for anyone that sounded in my voice that has never, ever met you, that is not born again today. May they experience you and be raised to eternal life. Father, there's anybody that sounded in my voice that's just like me, been saved a while, but still repeats lies of the past, still lets the past hold them back. God, I pray today that you will call their name and all of them will be resurrected. Everything. Nothing else holds them back. They don't repeat the lies anymore. God, whatever you need to do, invitation time is your time for us to respond to what you said to us. May we be obedient to that today.
May you be honored in Christ's name.